Welcome to this week's sermon from Ambleco Christian Centre. We're continuing our Luke series today, looking at becoming an apprentice of Jesus, what it really means to walk with him day in, day out. And we've come across a lot of challenging texts in this series so far. Some of them challenging to understand, but primarily I mean challenging in terms of that they challenge us. Like they're quite abrasive, some of them, that sort of challenging. There was a, a Christian, I forget which one, but there was a Christian teacher who once quipped, you know, it's not the verses of the Bible that I don't understand that trouble me. It's the ones that I do understand that give me the problems. And these are the kind of texts that we're, we're going through in Luke. And today we'll tackle another collection of these. It's starting at Luke 12, 49, to give you a, a warning if those of you want to get your Bibles ready. Another collection of Jesus' sayings that are all to do with seeing things. The way we see things and the importance of seeing things properly. Last time I preached, I spoke about Jesus' image of uh, the eye being the lamp of the body. We explored Jesus' claim that really, if you don't see him properly, you don't see anything else right either. How we see is of primary importance. And um, that theme continues today. The last thing I want to say before I read the text is just to set the, the slight context for these verses in particular is increasing conflict with the other Jews at the time. Um, There's been plenty of conflict in the text we've read already, but at the end of chapter 11, um, we read that the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and provoke him, hoping to catch him in something he might say. So there's increasing conflict going on. And that is the context in which Jesus says these things. So We will read the text, I'll make a few comments on it, and we will pray together. So, starting at chapter 12, verse 49, and I'll read into the first nine chapters of chapter 13. So, Jesus said, I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptised with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think I've come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, in one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. There will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, Mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there'll be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky. Why do you know, not know how to interpret the present time? And why do, you judge for yourselves what, why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrates, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge. And the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans, because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. All those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, 
But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig round it and put on manure. And then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. Well done. So, collection of mini sayings, little episodes, all of which Jesus is commenting on what it means to see properly. So we'll take it a chunk at a time. I'll have a look at the wrong perspective that Jesus is attacking and the right one that he's teaching. So first of all then, I came to cast fire on the earth and wood that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptised with, how great is my distress until it's accomplished. Do you think I've come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. And then he describes the division, breaking up what are meant to be the closest ties of loyalty, father and son, mother and daughter. Daughter-in-law and mother-in-law, I think, is one that's more readily broken, but the others are meant to be um, our primary loyalties. So what's the wrong perspective that Jesus is uh, confronting here? Because it seems to be the idea that Jesus came to give peace. Jesus says, oh, that's the wrong perspective. Well, that's a bit odd, isn't it? Perhaps. At the start of Luke's gospel, when the angels announced Jesus' birth, they announced it with glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. Is Jesus not the Prince of Peace that Isaiah prophesied about? The one who came to turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers. So what kind of peace is Jesus talking about if he is the Prince of Peace? I think the best way to understand this is that the peace that Jesus is talking about is to do with a wrong understanding of what kind of Messiah he was. So for many Jews in the first century who were expecting a Messiah, they were expecting a Messiah that would conquer the nations and the powers that were around them. You know, Rome was in Israel at the time, ruling them and oppressing them. They wanted a Messiah that would bring peace in the sense of kick the Romans out, defeat the surrounding enemies, subject them to Israel and bring peace on the land in terms of the restoration of a kind of national Israel to rule over um, the surrounding nations. This was a really common expectation. This is what people thought the Messiah would do. A military Messiah would bring military peace by military conquest. And we can see that this is what people expected by the many times in the Gospels that Jesus had to withdraw from the crowds because they wanted to make him king by force. They wanted to make him this kind of Messiah king and he had to walk away from the crowds. And even after he was resurrected, the disciples were still confused and asked him at the beginning of Acts, so now are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So now you've died and resurrected, now are you going to kick the Romans out? And Jesus rejects this. I'm not that kind of Messiah, he says. I'm not here to bring the peace of a military victory. That's the kind of peace he's rejecting. I'm not here to bring the peace of a restored national Israel. 
It's not about that. Instead, he says he'll bring a division, not a military division, but a division around who he is. Another common theme of the Gospels, often when Jesus speaks, we read that the crowds were divided because of him. Some stayed, some left. Jesus calls people to make up their minds about him. Some will choose to follow him, others will choose to reject him. The weeds will grow alongside the crops, to take another of Jesus' parables, both will coexist. And eventually will be separated out. Jesus is a divisive figure. Always has been. Always will be. It's no longer the national vision of peace that is the fulfilment of the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't come to bring that kind of peace. It's Jesus himself that's now the fulfilment of the kingdom of God. And the peace that he brings is found in choosing his way of life. But that is a divisive claim. Okay? He also said to the crowds, when you see clouds rising in the west, you say at once a shower is coming. When you see the south wind blowing, you say there'll be heat. You hypocrites, you know these things, but you don't know how to interpret the present time. So having just said that he's going to divide people, Jesus again emphasises that this division... Uh, of whether or not to kind of accept him for who he is, is something that we're accountable for. Again and again, Jesus hammers this home, like you are accountable for the way you see, for the way you receive me. The crowds knew that when the clouds come in off the sea in the west and they hit the hills of Palestine, there's going to be rain. They knew that when the wind blew in from the south over the desert, it was going to be hot. They should have known from Jesus' teaching and from his signs that he was the promised Messiah. They should have known, and they didn't. They chose not to see it. And I spoke really about that last time I preached. I won't spend much longer on it this morning. Jesus holds us accountable for how we see. He held them accountable now, back then, 2,000 years ago. He holds us accountable now. We're responsible for how we receive Jesus. And why do you not judge what is right as you're being dragged before the judge? Shouldn't you settle with the accuser on the way? If you wait until you get to the judge, you'll be thrown into prison until you've paid the last penny. So we're responsible for how we see Jesus. But does it matter? We may be responsible for our choice, but so what? And this is what Jesus addresses here, this potentially wrong perspective that it doesn't really make a difference what we choose. He says, no, there is no impunity for our choices. That's the wrong perspective, Jesus says. The wrong perspective is that it doesn't really matter. If we choose to reject Jesus, we won't have uh, consequences for that decision. And Jesus says, no, that's the wrong perspective. The right perspective is that there is a judge, an officer and a prison, and therefore you really need to get yourself sorted out now. I sold you more challenging stuff this morning. You may remember my, um, my wife's preaching a couple of weeks ago, Jay. Jesus calls us to live in light of the last day to consider the things then and make our choices now on the basis of that. Jesus is just saying, be reconciled with the judge of all creation now. 
rather than face his judgment later on. And then our narrative moves on to a slightly different point. Jesus uh, is told about some Galileans who had got on the wrong side of Pilate in their offerings in Jerusalem and had been butchered. And also references an incident with a Tower of Siloam, which is one of the towers around the Jerusalem temple. The Jerusalem temple kind of had loads of towers around it. If you remember our Nehemiah series, there was one Sunday morning where we, we read the full account of those. One of those towers had fallen, as was probably pretty common in the ancient world, and killed a bunch of people. And it was a fairly common belief in Jesus' time that this kind of misfortune, this kind of suffering was connected to um, things we did wrong. So you might remember in John's gospel, there's a story of a man who's born blind and Jesus' disciples say to him, so who was it who sinned? Was it this man or his parents because he was born blind? Their assumption was somebody had done some particularly bad sin and that was why they were suffering in this way. And Jesus says that's the wrong perspective. That is the wrong perspective. Suffering and misfortune is part and parcel of a fallen world. And it's not the case that those that this happens to are particularly sinful. In fact, what Jesus gets at in some other places is that that kind of attitude, that kind of perspective is normally more about putting ourselves in the not so sinful category and feeling a bit proud and looking down on those who suffering has happened to because they must be kind of worse than us sort of pharisaic approach to suffering the right perspective Jesus says is that actually we're all sinful and we all need to repent and it just ain't as simple as drawing straight lines from incidents of suffering to incidents of sin don't get tied up in the deceptive game of speculating about other people's sinfulness when they suffer is Jesus's point but face the truth that we're all going to perish unless we repent. We're all in the same boat. And this is an important point. In the autumn, I hope to offer some whole church teaching on suffering and our theology of suffering. So I hope to kind of address these themes a bit more comprehensively then. But it is an important point for us to hold on to this morning, that Jesus is clear that um, although suffering and sin are linked in the bigger picture, and that sin always brings suffering inherently in it, that there is no straight line between a particular sin and a particular suffering for any individual. And that to draw those lines is often just to increase the suffering of people because not only are they in pain, but it's now their fault. And so you just put shame on top of pain. And Jesus won't have anything to do with this way of thinking. He says, this is wrong. This is not the way that we explain suffering. So that's the wrong perspective. The right perspective is we're all in the same boat, really. Repent or perish. And so finally, he tells the parable. The fig tree planted in the vineyard was a symbol for Israel. And he came seeking fruit, repentance, acceptance of Jesus, an appropriate response to God. And he finds none. Do you remember the context? Increasing conflict with the Jews, trying to get him killed. He comes to the vineyard, the fig tree, sorry. He finds no fruit. And so he says, 
cut it down. And then there's this kind of warning of give it one more year and if there's no fruit, we'll remove it. Why should it take up the ground? And this is a direct warning to the Jewish crowds. They they knew that when Jesus started to talk about fig trees or vineyards, he was talking about Israel. It's really common imagery in the Old Testament in their scriptures. They knew this. They knew what Jesus was saying. They, They were meant to be God's chosen people. They were meant to bear fruit. But they were rejecting Jesus. And so Jesus warns them. He effectively says, it's your last chance. It's your final year. If you don't repent and quickly then you'll be cut down. And this kind of prophecy of judgment against Israel is something that Jesus talks about again in the scripture ahead of us. I'm preaching again next week on that. So I'll kind of leave further comment for next week. But hopefully that helps you understand the parable. It's your last chance to repent, to see properly, to accept who Jesus says he is, or they'll face the judgment of God. So bits and pieces this morning, isn't it? Like an episode here, an episode there. What might we take from that? I think I want to conclude for us um, to see that Jesus is the master perspective changer, if you like. Jesus is the one who comes to change the way we see things, the way we perceive things, to bring us in line with the truth. And in truth, a lot of the episodes we've looked at this morning probably don't resonate very deeply with us because we're not first century Jews with an inherited idea of what the kingdom of God should be like and what the Messiah should be like. But we've all got our own special ways of seeing the world in a distorted way, haven't we? Like we've all got our own individual contribution to make to getting things wrong and seeing things a little bit twisted and and a bit skewed. So I think what I want to do in finishing is just to pray that just as Jesus came into that context and said, no, this is wrong, this is the truth, and this is the way you need to see things, that he would come and do that for us this morning as well. Um, it's always very hard to know where your own perspective is wrong, isn't it? Because if you thought it was wrong, you'd change it. So we all think we're right all the time. Not necessarily because we're arrogant, but just because nobody consciously continues to think something they think is wrong do they? So we need the Holy Spirit to come and to change our perspectives. Phil often speaks about this, don't you Phil, about the importance of a changed perspective from the Lord. So I'm going to pray for that this morning and then hand back to Vanessa and Tim to do what they will with the rest of the time. So Jesus, we thank you um, that the truth sets us free. You said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And it is the truth that sets us free. And so, Lord, it can be really hard work following you because you're always telling us to change the way we see things, to change our perspective. We think we're in the right and you say, no, no, change the way you're thinking. You need to repent. We we think we're expecting X of you and you say, no, no, I'm here to bring Y. And we have to change what we what we look for from you. So, Holy Spirit, we lift ourselves individually, corporately to you this morning and pray that you would come and speak into our lives and into our congregation with the same liberating truth that you spoke 2,000 years ago. And I pray that rather than trying to kill you because of how uncomfortable the truth is, 
that we would be humble enough to repent and to be willing to change the way we see things. Even things that we've thought for many years, perhaps, that we would be humble to respond to your spirit, change the way we see, and so come to know more of your freedom. Get ourselves right with the judge now rather than later. And come to know the peace and the division of following you. The division that it will inevitably bring with others who don't see things our way and don't agree. But the peace that comes of knowing that we walk with you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Amboco Christian Centre. For more information about who we are, what we believe, and how you can get involved, check out our website, www.amblecochristiancentre.org.uk.